Yo, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the world headquarters of Sweet Bee Studio. I am your host, Quentin, aka Q Dog, Pop Tart King of the South, Pizza Rolls, Air Fryers, Vienna Sausages, eating shredded mozzarella cheese straight out of the bag, drinking Ham's beer. What's up, man? How's everybody doing? Baseball playoffs are on their way. I'm super excited. Wildcard game's coming up soon, but let's let's get straight to it, right? So this is the final episode of my guest listener series. This is with Andrew. I feel like he's sort of my buddy, Andrew. Honestly, I feel like everybody I've recorded a podcast with is sort of my buddy now because that's how sort of this baseball thing goes. It's in this conversation, we talk so much about, you know, nostalgia, family, baseball, and that's a repetitive theme. Like every guest I've had on here, like that's where the podcast starts and ends and goes a lot of, you know, it's baseball, family, nostalgia, right? What the game means to us, how it sort of, you know, plays into our current lives and, you know, growing up with the game and stuff like that. And what I find so fun and amazing on these podcasts is all every episode with a guest starts in the same spot. I feel like I learn something new every day, and with everybody I've talked to, the story is sort of the same, but everybody has such a different take on it, a different point of view, like enlightening words to when it, you know, it talks about their life and how baseball comes into play, and so it's wild that every one of these is just different, you know, and in talking to Andrew, like you sort of get that, like we talk about those same things, but you know, his take on so many baseball things and just his energy alone is just really good, so I want to thank Andrew and everybody that's recorded an episode with me because I, I've learned so much. I've learned to look at things in a different way. It's helped me to appreciate family and the game more. And I'm just so thankful for the community, you know, within this podcast and on Instagram, because it gives me an outlet to really have fun with people. And, you know, some days it, you know, takes me down memory lane and I feel so nostalgic, but then other days, like I feel just so much love and happiness for my family and baseball in the present, you know, and, that, and that's where this podcast goes. So this is Andrew. I'll get to it. I'll stop yapping, but listen, let's talk about Hood Hat for a second. Listen, if you had a buddy that had a hat company, it would be Max at Hood Hat. <laughs> I talk about Hood Hat every episode. If you haven't checked them out already, you can go to hoodhat.com or find him on Instagram at hoodhatusa. He makes, listen, one thing I've never talked about is, or maybe I have once, he makes custom hats. So his hats, stylistically, it's got like... A cursive font on it and then like sort of like a, a basic font at the top. It looks like the old sports specialties hat if you haven't seen him. But go to hoodhat.com and check out his hats because he's got so many like nostalgic baseball hats like Three River Stadium, Riverfront Stadium, Shea Stadium, all of these cool places. Like I've got, where other hats do I have here? Oh, Jack Murphy Stadium. And what it is, is Max makes these hats that go beyond the game into nostalgia growing up, the neighborhood you grew up in, the ballpark that your favorite team grew up playing at as a kid because to me, one of the most beautiful things ever is just a baseball field, you know? And you talk about old baseball parks or current baseball parks in the 80s and it's just so fun to think about, you know, old teams and old stadiums because it sort of makes today's game feel so much more special and valuable because we can appreciate it because we, you know, sort of build this love for the game by looking at the game historically and then to be able to come back into the current game and look at it, it's like, man, like sometime, like these are going to be the good old days, you know? And so I, I've always felt like that nostalgia helps us to appreciate our current life. And that's sort of what Max's hats do. You know, his motto is never leave it behind. And that's what his brand's all about is remembering your past and making the present just so damn good. But also 
you can get custom hats made. So, like, if you don't give a shit about having, like, a Jack Murphy Stadium hat. But, you know, like, for example, I grew up on Aikman Street in Marion, Illinois. So, I could get that on a hat and it would be pretty dope. That might not make much sense, but check out his website and go to the custom hat indicator. Like, you probably can't get cuss words on it. But you could get anything. Like, the store we grew up at, the corner store, was called Cheney's Meats. And I feel, because it's a butcher shop, but we would go there and get IBC root beers, Gatorade, class bottles, big slams, Funyuns. I feel like I could get that on a hat because it would be so badass, right? So think of the corner shop you went to. Like, how rad would it be to get that on a hat? And then you could just have it, right? That would be so cool. But either way, I'll shut up. Hoodhat.com, Hoodhat USA. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Again, thanks. Really, thanks for to every guest that's been on the podcast. It really means a lot. I love connecting with people through baseball and family and nostalgia and you know to everybody that's listened to this episode and follows along on instagram and leaves comments and stuff like that it, it, i sound like a broken record but it really does mean a lot you know throughout my day like so it's hectic when you've got a kid and a family and stuff like that it's hectic in a good way but to be able to come back and you know sort of have this community especially as us old dudes get older like andrew's not an old dude but i'm 30 i'll be 38 in a week you know so it's, it's really fun to have this sort of stuff you know and to feel like you know we're all coming together and making friends on here through the podcast and the instagram it's just a fucking blast man so either way check out here it is with andrew and let's get to it yo what up everybody greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the sweet Bee studios listen i got andrew on the line this is our listener series andrew what's up man hey quinn how you doing dude i'm good man it's 11 o'clock Right, I'm not usually up this late unless my daughter's screaming and throwing a fit. But hey, we're having fun, dude. So it's good talking yeah. to you, man. Yeah, no worries. It, yeah, we're on the West Coast here, so it's only like eight. Jeez. Just chilling. That, oh, just chilling at eight o'clock, and the weather's probably seventy degrees. I take it. No, dude, it's hot. We got like it's like 104 today in yeah. uh, in Seattle. Jeez, it's man. crazy. That's yeah, it's but, been, it's been hot here too, man. But it's been cooling off pretty good at night, like. Being up this late, 11 o'clock at night, like, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go teepee somebody. Like, I'm going to go smash <laughs> some mailboxes. Like, I'm just never up this late, man. And I feel like, dude, like, the heat doesn't bug me as much as it used to when I was younger because, like, I just like being outside, man. Like, it reminds me of being a kid, you know. I think you had wrote a little bit of that, man, because we had a little – was some pregame notes that you had sent over, man. And one of the cool things I th- thought you had said was that we were one of the last generations to grow up without the Internet, you know. And since my daughter's yeah, been born, I've made it a point to, like, get outside more. And, like, this summer, more than any summer, man, it's scorching like crazy. Like, I thought I was switched to, like, all-natural deodorant because they say there are chemicals in normal deodorant that will kill you. But I think I need the <laughs> yeah. death deodorant because, Jesus Christ, man, it is hot, dude. But you know what I mean, man? Like, uh, I liked what you said yeah. because, like, that makes sense because – um. Like, we were sort of that last generation, I think, getting outside, especially because you have two sons now, right? Yeah, yeah. I got two boys. I have one boy. He's almost a month old. So we're just, like, getting out of that that fog of, like, (laughs) where are we? (laughs) What day is it? It doesn't really matter. We're just trying to survive and eat and make sure that they're fed and then, you know, try and sleep some. So, but we're doing all right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, talking about, like, having two boys, like, kids, like, I mean, you know, like our my oldest son and your daughter are about the same age, and dude, the screens just like suck them in, like like a tractor Ooh, beam, you know, yeah. sucks them in. So it's real. I think it's important to like be able to get outside with your kids and 
you know, put your phone down. Cause it's hard for me too, you know, just like put my phone down and like disengage and go enjoy. So. Yeah, man. I took my daughter to, um, a beach in South Carolina this past week for like four days. And we, my wife and I put our phones down just as much as we could, man. We pretty much shut off from work outside of like a few emails here and there. And we would just go to the beach every morning and just watch the kid just run to the water like crazy. (laughs) And like, it was, I mean, it was good, man. Like I remember just being a kid and like you would wake up in the morning, like watch a little bit of sports center, eat a bowl of cereal, and then just like head out the door and stay outside all day. And oh yeah, I don't necessarily ever want to turn into like, I don't hate technology. Like I think it's it serves a really good purpose. Like we're having a, a conversation right now that hopefully turns out good by the time we're done with it, man. <laughs> but like the internet and technology, like it connects people in a way that otherwise like we wouldn't be able to, you know, because I know in previous eras you would just grow up, get a job, and like you would have friends around your house. And at least with us, like I think as busy as we are with work and all that stuff, like at least like technology gives us the ability to communicate with our loved ones quicker and more efficiently, but also to meet new people outside that realm. But at the same time, it helps to sort of, you know, get outside and clear your head and focus on like the, you know, like what's actually in front of you. And I think that's why I like baseball so much because it's such this leisurely game, you know, where you can just go outside and watch it and relax. And it's not rushed. There's no clock. And it's just like, you can just be out here and chill and you can baseball move slow and baseball gets a bad rap for moving slow. You know what I mean? But the the game in itself gives you a chance to think. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the. I'm not a fan of the, the new extra inning rules. It's like, I, give me free baseball. If I've sat through nine innings of baseball, and it's still tied, give me some more baseball. Absolutely. Like, why man. are we in a rush to get? Why are we in a rush to get out of here? Like, what's Let's just keep going. Let's go another nine innings. Like, who cares? It's a baseball game. I want a game to go to 4 a.m. I got a garage fridge. (laughs) My dream of owning a house was to get a garage fridge and stock it with beer. And I've got that now, right? I've reached the pinnacle of existence. And I'm (laughs) I'm just ready for a game to go 16, 17 innings until 4 a.m., right? I'm 37 years old now. I've got health insurance. Like, let's ride this train and let's go, man. And I like it. And I I feel you on that one, man. But listen, so I'm glad at least you're getting through the fog of having a new baby. But isn't that the best time, man? Like, you see this little – you've already done it once before. So this is the second time you've got to do it, man. And, I mean, that's got to be pretty special because I always think of my daughter. And with, you know, it being our first one, like, I didn't fully understand what was happening when she was such a baby and now like I'll talk to my wife about having that second one and I feel like because I know more of what it's about that that second one's going to be special like in a different way because I've done it before right what was that like for yeah. you yeah I mean it's 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 different it's it's you know what to expect like you said I mean it's kind of like you know, you're the, the rookie pitcher, the first one, you're like rookie pitcher, and you throw up before the game in the bathroom stall, and you're just like, get the jitters, you have no <laughs> idea, like, what you're doing, and you're just, like, hanging on, and, like, hope that you don't screw up, but then by the second one, you're like, okay, like, I know what to expect, I know what I'm doing, like, for the most part, I know what I'm doing, I'm, I've changed, like, a thousand poopy diapers already, like, no big deal, like, we'll, we'll get through this, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool, it's, um, it's been awesome to watch, like, I got two boys now, so, to watch my oldest just kind of figure out 
my youngest and kind of decide what he is and just kind of get to know him. And cause, I, mean, I, I have really, really close relationship with my brothers and you yeah. know, but they're about the same age distance. So um, that's a pretty special relationship with, for me. Um, so it's cool to watch that kind of start now. Um, and uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that'd be really funny to watch, like, your oldest son look at the little one. I like what you said, like, try to figure like figure out what this is. Like, I could see his wheels turning <laughs> out because when they're in, like, that, you know, that age, like, my daughter's 17 months, like, you could see the wheels turning in her head. Like, she'll look at something and be like, huh. Like, now she's looking at doorknobs and she's like, I think I know how to do this. Like, we've got a kid <laughs> gate up upstairs where you've got to turn this lock at the top and then it's got, like, two little hooks that you pull the gate open and if she was just about a half an inch taller, she could open the thing and she'll walk up to it and go to twist it. And she's looking at it. And I'm like, I'll look at my wife, Courtney, and I'm like, listen, Emmy's about to take over this house right now. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and she's getting powerful. And it's like she knows shit, man. Like she's repeating stuff. Yeah. And my wife and I are now to that stage where it's like, listen, moratorium on swear words. Like we can't cuss in this house. But like, what's Dude, it's so bad. It's so bad. Dude, but what's funny? I was, I was oh, go the, ahead. I was in the car. I was in the car the other day with my oldest James in the car, and I was, and this guy cut me off and then slowed down, and just like under my breath, I was, you know, I was just so mad, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I hear in the back of my car, fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm like, oh, I gotta stop. I gotta yeah. stop saying that. I just gotta, I gotta stop. You know, and uh, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, it's good for, good for your health. Yeah, it's good uh, to know that yeah. they're, like, learning <laughs> things. Now, like, my child's healthy. They have great cognitive abilities because they said fuck immediately after I did. So we're good on a lot of things, you know. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was crazy, though, because, like, you're talking about, like, how much they've grown. And, you know, with, like, my oldest, I was like, oh, this kid's like a baby. Like, he's just a little guy. But then as soon as that new one's born and they're, like, so helpless. Oh, yeah. You look at your oldest. I look at my oldest. I'm like, this guy's like a, he's a grown man. Like, this is like a full oh, adult yeah, in my house dude. now that's, <laughs> that's in my house. Yeah, it's we have crazy. a – Dude, we have a friend that has, like, a newborn who now is, like, five or six months old. And I still look at her and I'm like, she's so small. And then I look at my daughter and I, I told my wife today, I said, we don't have, like, a baby. Like, we have a kid. Like, she I, – <laughs> I was getting her dressed the other day for bed. And so – it, so I was putting her shirt on her, and she kept pulling her arms in her sleeves and doing T-Rex arms. She wouldn't stop. And, but I'm cracking up. See, the problem is with me as a dad, like when my daughter does crazy shit that she's not supposed to do, I just laugh. And then she laughs and keeps doing it. So, like, I'm trying to get her dressed. She grabs each sleeve, tucks her arms in like a T-Rex, and then starts moving them around and laughing. And I know she's got to go to bed, but then I start laughing. And then I kid you not, I pull her arm out of the T-Rex. She hits me in the face and shits her pants. And I'm like, did you really just do this to me right now? It's like when I change her diaper, it's like doing karate with somebody. Man, she's, like, kicking her arms and her legs. And I'm like, what? But, like, having the little one, man, it's so helpless. Like, when I had my daughter, I thought a lot about my grandparents, right? Because, like, the the beautiful thing I think about creating life is, like, it started somewhere else, right? And that's what I love so much because, like, baseball always reminds me of family and, you know, watching yeah. games with people, you know, especially ones that, like, aren't here, but then with my dad and stuff like that. And then when I had my daughter, it's like I think part of the reason why I love baseball so much is there's just this connection with like the game and life and family and being such a baseball fan, I'll always try to twist anything in my life to baseball because I just enjoy it. Right. I really do. 
And when I had my daughter, like I thought a lot about the people that aren't here anymore that are sort of responsible for me being here. And like my daughter has curly hair and I have curly hair and I got it from my grandpa who was a big Cubs fan whose house I would always go to and watch games on WGN and all of that stuff. And I'm like, oh, like that tradition sort of gets passed down. Like she'll never meet him because he's gone, but like he's sort of there. And like, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. it's. I mean, and, and you know, with kids, like the age that our kids are at right now, like my my son James can like engage. And we watch the like, baseball highlights. He knows like a bat and a ball and a helmet mm-hmm. and home run. And you know, we, we like went to Home Depot and built him a tee. You know, with like PVC piping. Oh, that um, sounds fun. And so just yeah, it's just like a good experience. Like go take him to Home Depot, the greatest place on earth. It smells amazing. You know, and just oh, fresh walk lumber? around Home Hell Depot, yeah. look at all the yeah, dude, oh. fresh lumber. It costs like a gold bar for a piece of plywood, but you know, you just go around and look at all the cool tools and then, you know, you have the opportunity to like spend time with your kids and, and, you know, build a tea and then go play with it. Um, it was so, it was so funny though, because we, you know, we spent all Saturday morning building this tea out of PVC pipe and it was sweet, super cool. It's like adjustable, everything. We take it to the park, set the tea down, put a ball in the tea. <laughs> he looks over to his left and he sees a gopher hole. It's like, oh, gopher hole. <laughs> Runs over the gopher hole. So yeah. playing with the dirt. We spend like half an hour playing with the dirt and don't even touch the tea and then go home and have snacks. And it was like, <laughs> it was like but it's like the process of like doing stuff, you know? And it's, yeah, it's such a cool connection that, that baseball can provide like that. Yeah, that's why I like talking about nostalgia so much. Like this podcast didn't always used to be like this purely nostalgic thing. And then once like I got super sentimental once my daughter was born and I realized that like by focusing on like a lot of this old nostalgia that nostalgia like is still present in our lives from like day to day you know like when you talk about taking your son to like the hardware store like dude, i used to go to the hardware store with my dad all the time when i was a kid and when you talk about that smell of like you know fresh lumber and then you know sometimes i would go with him to the auto parts store and you got like the smell of oil and stuff like that and it's just like getting out and doing things and i'm like man we have the chance to do that stuff now and it, it's it's just a blast, and I think having a kid sort of helps you to focus on that, you know, because going to the lumber yard and spending a whole Saturday building a PVC pipe is great, you know, building the tea, and I could just see him now going to the gopher hole, and it's just like, oh, like, this is still fun, you know, where it's not necessarily right. about, because that's how I feel about baseball, like, baseball's not about, like, a lot of because you know i'm a cubs fan and you're a padres fan right so our teams don't win a lot so it's not necessarily about winning or (laughs) losing but like the experience and it's like oh you know like the kid didn't hit off the tee but that's fine because we still had this experience which is great but you being a padres fan man like you got to be excited for this year because they got a really good team yeah i mean i mean also being a padres fan being a, a san diego sports fan you like your hopes are up but your hopes are also like you know, we we, used to, we had like a fourteen and two Chargers team one time, didn't work out. Oh, we, that fourteen you know, and two team like, was good, man. I remember that because they, they had like so LT, good. And LT we, set the touchdown record. Yeah. They had like Sean Merriman who was like sacking people. That was a good team, man. Antonio Gates, yeah, Drew Brees, yeah, we. Jeez. And then we fired Marty Schartenheimer after that. So we're like, you know, last year was good. It was a short season. This year we're doing really well. We're a little streaky. Uh, you know, we have like that that losing streak not too long ago we got throttled by the cubs and by the mets Jeez, yeah. um and then we and then we got swept by the rockies and then swept but then we like turned around and swept the dodgers so i don't really know what's going on but um yeah it's, it's going good being a yeah being a, a padre fan is is terrible and awesome at the same time 
because we have been so bad for so long that now that we're good, you really appreciate having a good team. Um, and like, even like, I, I kind of traveled around the world for work and, uh, you know, I've seen guys with, with Padres hats on and you know that when they have that Padre hat on that they're from San Diego because no one else, no one else in the world is wearing Padre hats. No way. Unless dude. they know of San Diego. You know, so you go, I go up to them like, Hey, you're from San Diego. Like, Oh yeah, I'm from this part. Oh yeah, I'm from this part. Oh yeah, me too. Like I noticed your Padre hat on like, there's no one else is like, no one else is sporting the Padres. I mean, maybe this year there's a, lot, a couple more bandwagons that are doing so well. And, you oh, know, yeah. now we have Fernando Tatis Jr. Who's just like the face of, of baseball. But, um, yeah, it's, it's such like a small fan base that you really like know, like if someone's like a fan of, if someone has a uh, Padres gear on, then they're like, they're probably from San Diego, which is cool. Um, and it's also, I mean, it sucks that we haven't won, you know, a world championship. And I kind of want to ask you about this also, but we haven't won, we haven't won a, won a ring yet. Um, but I'm kind of looking forward to when, when they do, would be the first time ever, right? And I'll be able to be hope. Hopefully, I'll still be alive. Be able to experience. <laughs> be able to experience that, and 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 feel like that first that first World Series win, right? Where like teams like with the Yankees, like they're such like a dynasty and they've won so many. That I'm sure it's great to win another World Series, but it it can't be like winning the first one. You know what I mean for you, for your for your team. Um, and like like right now, I work and live in, in the Seattle area. And so there's lots of Mariners fans and uh, yeah. And I have so much respect for them because they have so much of like the same like mentality of like, they've never even been in the world series. Like if you're a fan of the Mariners, you love the Mariners. Like oh, you're, yeah. you're in it, <laughs> you're in it to the end. <laughs> like you're, you're just there. And so like, I, you know, I see Mariners fans and like, I have so much respect because they're not there for like anybody else, but themselves and the team. Like they're just there because they love, they love the Mariners. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's being a Padres fan, it's hard to explain. It's like, it's great. It's great. And it's awesome at the same, at the same and terrible at the same time. But I was going to ask you like when the Cubs won in 2016, like how did that change you and your perception towards the Cubs and like the Cubs fan base, right? Because you, you were like the lovable losers for so long and then you won, won it all. So like, did that change anything? Like, it, it you guys' relationship with the team? Absolutely did. Listen, part of the reason – so I grew up in southern Illinois. So part of the reason why I'm a Cubs fan is because I had a choice. I could either be a Cubs fan or a Cardinals fan. And I'm always a fan of the underdog. Like, if I turn on any sport, no matter what it is, basketball, football, hockey, whoever's losing, because I don't watch those sports avidly. I don't watch them a lot. But whoever's losing, that's the team I want to win. So when it came time yeah. where, like, I was old enough to, like, I'm going to start following a team because my older brother was a Cardinals fan, but my dad would watch Cubs baseball, so would my grandpa. And my brother would always talk crap because the Cubs sucked and it never won, and I'm like, well, that's the team I want, you know? I watched Rocky before, right? I knew he was about to lose, and then he won. <laughs> so, like, I'm always going to yeah. be a Cubs fan because they're the losers. And, like, my favorite Cubs game that's ever been played – was the 2003 series against the Florida Marlins, and they lost that series. They were, what, like six outs away from going to the World Series, and they lost, and that was yeah. like game six with the Bartman game. Then game seven, like, Kerry Wood hits this home run, but they still lose, and it was like this huge depressing thing, and I don't know why, but there's a document documentary called Catching Hell that documents that season and, like, this Cubs curse and the whole nine, 
And as much yeah. as it hurts, like that's my one of my favorite baseball documentaries because like I just always enjoyed that struggle. Like I'm like you, man. I don't think I could ever be a Yankees fan because like I like to struggle. Like I like like I just I like the losers, man. Like if you're not supposed to win, like I want you to win. Like one of my favorite baseball players is Barry Bonds, and I'm not even a Giants fan. I've only been in California once, but it's because like what Barry was doing, he wasn't I don't mean like the steroid thing or whatever, but he was like a cocky dude, right? He had this I mean he was yeah. cool, he was cocky, he had the earring, he would tell reporters to F off or whatever. And it's like he was sort of like Terrell Owens. Like he's this guy that's doing thing that doing stuff that nobody else is doing and he's edgy and people don't like him. And I'm like, well, that's the guy I like because he's like, fuck you, man. I'm going to do what I want. And it was always like that with the Cubs. So I've always liked the underdogs. But then when the Cubs won, it was like that 2016 season was amazing. My wife and I were up there for the World Series. We When they won, like I was obviously like I talked to my dad a lot. Like I was thinking of my grandpa because he had died in 09 or yeah, 09. And it was just this amazing thing. But then the seasons following after, it's like, you know when you mention about, and I, I hate to say this, man, because I get being like a bandwagon fan because, like, the Padres are a phenomenal team to watch. So, like, I'll watch a Padres game because I love Tatis. Vic Caratini, I love Vic, man, because he used to be a Cub, yeah. and so did you, Darvish. So, like, I don't mean this, like, in a bad way. But, like, since there are more Cubs fans, like, it feels like it's not cool anymore. You know, like, when all the hipsters grew their beards yeah. out and then everybody grew a beard? And then it's like, well, this is stupid. I'm going to cut a mustache, right? It's sort of like that. I felt like the Cubs were, like, my thing and, like, my grandpa's thing and my dad's right. thing. And nobody else was sort of a fan. And now that, like, right. I'll see people with Cubs hats and it's just like... You know, like, I don't want to talk shit about it, but it's just, it's lost its appeal partly because ev a lot of people are Cubs fans now. But then it's like, since they've won, it's like, well, Rocky beat the Russian. Now what do I have to look forward to, you know? And <laughs> right. I think that's why naturally now, like, my focus in baseball, like, I still watch Cubs baseball, but my focus now is, like, I like to research a lot of baseball that I don't know about since I was always a Cubs fan growing up. Like, I know more about other teams and other players from the past, like the 86 Astros or the, the 82 Brewers and stuff like that. And what I found is, like, that nostalgic right. feeling that I like of, like, heartbreak, I can sort of find in the past because the 82 Brewers lost the World Series. And it's like, man, they had some really good teams. Like, that was a bummer, you know? And even, like, old like Padres teams with like Nate Colbert and then, you know, Tony Gwynn and Ken Caminiti. And then Steve Finley. I love that Steve Finley's your favorite player, dude. He went to the same college as me, yeah. man. He's a local <laughs> kid from where I'm from. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. That's he's, crazy. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, dude. I love him. You got the mullet. He, played, he, he was like the reason why I decided to play center field because he just like, you know, he's a gritty outfielder, big yeah. diving catches, wasn't really constrained about hurting himself. And then he could have you know a little bit of pop off his bat, you know. Yeah, he was, a, dude. Yeah. He was a he was a damn good player, damn good player. But that's so yeah, that's he still does color, color. He still does uh, color commentating for the Padres, which is cool. Oh wait, every once in a while. And, oh, because I watched some Padres games, so I bet I've heard his voice and just didn't know who it was. Yeah, he does like like he's like sitting in the stands doing some reporting here and there. Uh, we have like uh, Mud and and Don Orsilio right now, who are just they're fantastic yeah. broadcasters. But um, yeah, it's cool. 
Yeah, it's crazy that uh, I mean, it's almost like when the when the Cubs won, like you lose like some of that ownership of being a fan, that badge of honor of like liking a terrible team. Yeah, right. Because you you do it, and then like like your dad, I'm sure, like his entire life, Cubs never won, and then finally they finally they win. Like he's him and your grandpa and even you, like I've gone through so many years of just suffering, <laughs> right? And then to like when they finally win and all these other people pop onto the bandwagon, it's like, you like, you're, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. Like drink yourself for like 40 years to death because it's, <laughs> the team is bad. Yeah. Dude. But, like, um, I would get made fun of at school, man, for wearing a Cubs hat, you know, because all the kids would be wearing Cardinals hats. They take off my hat and throw it in yeah. the trash. And I'm like, dude, like what the heck, man? <laughs> like, so you didn't, you know, you didn't get your lunch money stolen and your hat thrown in the trash can. Cause you were a Cubs fan. You don't know my struggle, you know? But, I mean, I think it's all going to be cyclical. Like, the Cubs are going to suck for another 20 years and all that sort of stuff. Um, But I respect the fans that, like, like to watch Cubs baseball. Like, I think that's great, you know, because I think good baseball is fun to watch. And, like, I'm guilty of that, too. Like, if the Padres make the postseason this year, hell, I might buy a Padres hat and let this thing go because I like the players on the team, you know. But it's – You got to get that brown and yellow. Dude, the, that I mean, some of the best colors in all of baseball, all time, man. <laughs> the mustard and mud, dude, like the seventies. That's some. That's a good uniform, man. Yeah, I like the pinstripes too. They brought out pinstripes, and not a lot of teams have had pinstripes. They've had the Yankees in a while, so I'm like, I I like those pinstripes that we have. Oh, do they look clean? And the uniforms, like they're not. I guess it's their home uniforms are probably white, but the away ones are like that off white like color with their brown and yellow. Do they look clean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was actually I was pretty I was pretty um, stoked for the Cubs when they won in 2016 because I mean growing up, we had like the you know the rabbit ears that you could put on the back of your TV that you could pick up like oh, weird yeah. stations, you know. And we picked up we had WGN, and then TBS was on there for a while before they went to cable, and so I probably watched just as many Cubs games and Braves games as I did Padres because the Padres were when I was growing up were on cable and we didn't have cable. So the only time I watched Padres games was at like a friend's house or like my grandparents' house or something like that. Um, so the Cubs and the and the Braves have always had a little bit of a soft spot uh, in my heart. Yeah, um, dude. Just because I I watched them and watched so many of those. I mean, uh, you know, he said like I mean like Sosa and Wood and Alou, and then like on the Braves like jo- like the Jones duo and oh, yeah. and Maddox, all those guys. So many good players from both of those teams and you know, early 2000s, late 90s. Yeah, those teams were good, man. I probably watched more Braves baseball than the Cubs because I got on the Braves kick because they were good. So, like, if I had to pick between one game or the other, like, I'm probably watching the Braves games because, like, I love Maddox (laughs) and Smoltz, man. Then you got, like, Dave Justice, Fred McGriff. I mean, Ron Gant, dude. Like, it was crazy, man. But that's so nuts, dude, that, um, I mean, that was a big thing for the Braves to do that because I think Ted Turner – bought the team because he owned like TBS and like all these different TV stations. And I think he bought the Braves and put them on TV because he wanted his TV station to do better. And then it turned out that he sort Mm. of, you know, built a dynasty and this is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But listen, you had mentioned, uh, Will Myers, um, in your notes, man, dude, I love like guys that don't wear batting gloves. Like that's pure grit right there. Yeah. He doesn't have batting gloves. He doesn't have any tape on his bat. He rubs a little dirt in his hands, like, at the beginning of uh, each at-bat, you know? It's just super old school. 
he uh, I forget what his, his uh, walk-up song is like. Oh, it's like I think it's Molly Crew. Um, he's just like an old school, gritty, gritty player, and uh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, they say Moise Alou. He used to. Um, he never wore batting gloves either. And apparently he used to pee on his hands to make them stronger. I guess it would make the skin stronger. <laughs> and that's a true story. He even said it. So he would pee on his hands to make his hands stronger because he didn't wear batting gloves either. And I know David Ortiz, he would wear batting gloves, but he would always spin on his hands. So I was in an adult softball league this past, uh, I guess, for like six or eight weeks or something like that. We made the playoffs and we lost and I got ejected. But that's neither here nor there. And I started batting with no batting gloves, and I would spit on my hands and rub them together because I was like, yeah, because I wanted to be old school, you know? Like, I always thought if I had, like, a walk-up song, I would come out to, like, Stranglehold by Ted Nugent because I just want to be badass. Like, I had a beer and a cigarette and a dugout. Oh, dude. Yeah. The beginning of that song is amazing. It's the best. That'd be great for a walk-up song. Dude, you ever watch Days and Confused? Oh, of course. Dude, yeah. That's like that whole soundtrack is phenomenal. And uh, that's sort of what it makes me think of. Like those good times. Like, I mean, I wasn't born there because I wasn't born until 83. But like those 70s where you would just like, you know, drive muscle cars and smoke weed and drink beer. And I'm like, yeah, that's what's up, man. Yeah. A good yeah, time, no, dude. Back, my, like, I think I'd take, I think I'd take um, When the Levy Breaks by, by Zeppelin. And that kind of has the same, the same cadence and like as uh stranglehold that same like uh, i don't know that the structure of the song is, is similar totally, i would totally agree with that yeah the same feel for sure man like i i can tell i'm getting old because i don't know any new music that's came out and i just listen to the same old music do you listen to new music or do you listen to the same old stuff uh, i don't know like i have like i got a spotify account you know that has like a discovery that'll throw some of stuff in there but it's like hardly ever there's nothing on the radio that I want to listen to. Like, if there's anything I find that's good, it's, like, on Spotify. Um, and that sounds kind of pretentious and, like, hipster. But it's just, like, there's nothing on the radio that's, like, I'm, like, this is, like, what yeah. I want to listen to, like, continuously. You know what I mean? Which is fine because I'm, I'm okay with, like, that I'm aging out of knowing what's cool and knowing what's <laughs> good music. And just sticking, like, sticking to my guns. Like, there's, like, this, like, uh, really funny bit by Jerry Seinfeld. He talks about how... You know, there's a certain point in a man's life where he stops changing what he's wearing and, like, he decides this is what I'm going to wear for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so, like, I'm, I'm kind of like that with music and yeah. with clothes, too, probably. Of, like, this is what I like and I'm not going to adapt anymore. And this is what I'm going to be. I'm not going to adapt. Life. This is the way I am. It's over. <laughs> Love it or leave it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Listen, I wear Crocs. <laughs> I wear Crocs everywhere I go now because I listen. So after my daughter was born, we you have to hold her a lot, right? So my wife and I were on our feet a lot more, and I got like plantar fasciitis, which is basically like when your heel mm. is inflamed, and so it would hurt right. so bad to stand up in the morning. Then I'd be standing up and holding her. So and my sister's a nurse, and I knew she had wore Crocs. I'm like, I'm gonna get some Crocs, dude. And I've not taken those off since. Listen, my daughter does not need me to hold her at night. But when I leave the house, I'm wearing Crocs with socks. And I don't give a shit. Like, my wife is 32. So she's not – I'm 37. So my wife, she still cares about her appearance. Like, she's not where I'm at. And I'll leave the house in my Crocs with socks. And she's just like, hmm. And I'm like, yeah. Because I don't care. Like, 
Listen, before this podcast, dude, I smoked a Marlboro outside and peed in the front yard. Like, I go outside. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this shit. The other day, so there's a FedEx guy that comes to my house. He's a cool dude, and I feel like I know him because if I see him outside pulling up, I'll walk outside, and if, like, we've ordered something big, I'll help him load it up or I'll just grab it from him so he doesn't have to come to the house. So I'm outside one morning, like, taking the trash cans out, or I think I was bringing them in because with COVID and everything, my wife and I have been working from home for basically right. the last year and a half. And so I go outside in my underwear, and I'm pulling the trash cans in. The FedEx guy pulls up, makes eye contact with me, and this is like a cool dude. And I'm sitting there in my underwear, and I didn't know what to do because it was dead-ass <laughs> eye contact with another man and I'm in my underwear outside at like 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, do you have a package for me? And I'm like, oh, fuck, wrong words. You know what I mean? I'm like, what are we doing here? And that was the only time I got self-conscious about like, man, I'm like outside of my underwear. But any other time, like, I don't care, you know? So I'm going to have to find that Seinfeld skit, dude, because he's got it figured out oh, because yeah. I stopped. Yeah, I think it's on the beginning of a Seinfeld episode, actually, that he that he has. Like, you know, he has to stand up at the beginning of each episode. Like that cold start, he, he talks about it. It's pretty good. Oh, where he's doing a stand-up? Yeah, dude. I just thought I had never watched yeah. Seinfeld, but then I started watching it when my daughter was born because my wife and I got YouTube TV, and we had oh, a yeah. lot of – she would, you know, sleep a lot like every two hours, but you can't really like go to sleep yourself. So I started watching Seinfeld, and those little – dude, like Seinfeld's a phenomenal show. Like I had watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, but never Seinfeld. And, uh, dude, that show is written so well – like it's crazy dude yeah it doesn't really age no it's not really dude. impressive it's, dude it's good and for a while i noticed it i think it was like during season one he had a wax box of like 1990 don russ on his fridge that lasted on there for about i think like season one or season two for a few episodes i was like oh he's got some baseball cards <laughs> on top of his fridge i was like that's nice yeah he's a huge mets fan he loves mets Dude, he um, threw out a pitch, I think, this year that was like a dead-on strike at like 55 miles an hour. I think people would have swung through it. <laughs> yeah. I think it was this year. Then he was uh, like in the box chilling with like Keith Hernandez just hanging out and stuff. Like that's one game I yeah. would want to. Like, listen. Have you, have you seen that? Oh, go have ahead. Have you seen the episode yet where um, where Kramer and Newman spit on Keith Hernandez? No, I haven't. No, I haven't seen any of that oh, at I'm not all. Gonna... I'm not okay. I'm not gonna ruin. I'm not even gonna go any further. But I look forward to you watching that. It's a great, really great episode. I need you. Have you ever watched that Simpsons episode with all the baseball players? With like Mr. Burns' team? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was I watched that one not too long ago. Actually, see, I haven't either. And uh, I recorded a podcast with a guy who's a big Simpsons fan, and he was talking about it. And I'm like, listen, I'm probably one of the only baseball dudes that's never watched that episode. It oh, there's so many. It's, there's so many, um, so many Simpsons episodes. Like the the thought of like starting from scratch and watching through this like to catch up now is like so daunting. Like if, I don't know if you've ever watched Mad Men, but you like oh, watch yeah. Mad Men. I was watching I watched Mad Men and like after every episode you're just like exhausted. You're just like mentally exhausted. Yeah. And you're like I don't know if I could watch another one. Like it's so much. And I feel like the same with like Simpsons. Like going through thirty, forty seasons, whatever they're at right now. Like, man, there's there's just so much to watch. It's got to be because I remember when I got my Nintendo when I was a kid, one of the games I got was like Bart Simpson in the Space Aliens or something like that. 
And there's no way. I mean, I was probably five tops, and The Simpsons wasn't a new thing, and I'm 37 years old. So, it's, I mean, there's got to be 37 or 38 seasons of that. Yeah, there's. it's crazy. It's been on for so long. But listen, man, so you – so you spend a lot of time in Jack Murphy, the old Jack Murphy Stadium, the legend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time I came around, it was Qualcomm. But, man, it was like your classic concrete donut. You know, when you're at the, like, the nosebleeds, you're like at the nosebleeds. Like you look down the backside of the stadium and you get a little bit dizzy. You know, like your equilibrium Dude. gets thrown off because you're you're so high up. And, like, the the people that look like ants down at the bottom are, like, they're so far. <laughs> like, oh, my oh my God, if I fall off this, I'm going to die. Like, I'm really, like, this is going to, someone's going to hurt. If I fall down the staircase, this super steep staircase, I'm not going <laughs> to stop until I get, like, first base. Like, I'm just going to keep going, you know. And, man, in San Diego, in in, uh, in summertime, the Padres games, or even, like, September, October, when the Chargers are there, dude, it's just like a sun bowl. It just soaks, it soaks up all the sun. And you just get cooked like a, you know, like a piece of bacon on a <laughs> that's left too long on a on a fryer. You just fried. And uh, yeah, I got plenty. I got. I'll probably have skin cancer at some point in my life just from the number of times I got burnt watching games there. You know, it'll just be like yeah, you know, top of your shin is a really weird place to get skin cancer. And it's like yeah, it's like just sitting with my legs up for years. Yeah, man. It was, dude, I used to sell watermelons in college. I worked with this old dude, and we would go pick up watermelon and cantaloupe, and I'm pretty sure that's going to kill me for skin cancer, man. I'd be on the set for like 12-hour <laughs> days. Like, I don't know about this, man. I would drink just gallons of water, and I wouldn't pee once. And I'm like, this can't be good. Like, we're really working hard. But yeah. listen, the uh, yeah. a good hustle, have you, man. Have you been to, have you been to um, Petco yet? Dude, no. The well, only it's stadium, it's like a decade old. The only stadium I've been to out west was the Oakland Coliseum. My wife had a business trip out there, and we were gonna go to a Giants game because her uh, she had a new she had a conference, and it was mm. in San Jose. So San Francisco was the closest stadium, but the Giants were out of town. And then so we went up and watched an Oakland A's game. And I think this was like in August, dude. And I loved it, dude. The fans there, man, they were all sweethearts, dude. They were just all friends by the end of the day. And it got cold. And I hadn't watched like a baseball game in the cold in years. And But that's the only mm -hmm. one I've been to, man. Really, I haven't even been to a lot of stadiums. Like I've been to Old Bush, which is sort of – probably like Jack Murphy. You know, I remember the first time I went to Old Bush Stadium and it was just what you said. I was so high. I felt like I was looking down and like <laughs> I would get scared. Like I thought I was riding the Ninja at Six Flags and I'm like, oh man, like this isn't going to be good. Like I'm like, I would just like, I was like holding on to my seat. Like don't fall, man, don't fall. You know? And it's just like, everybody looks small. Like you couldn't see who was playing. Like I didn't know like why anyone would want to sit up this high. Because I, I couldn't drink. I was like, why do I even want to be here, you know? But I've been to Old Bush. Yeah. I've been to Wrigley. And then I've been to New Bush. I've been to, like, uh, where the Braves play. Um, not the new stadium, but the stadium before. And honestly, that's it, man. Like, that's maybe, like, four or five, four stadiums that I've been to top. So. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what I, I about, about what I've been to. I've been to, I mean, well, I guess, yeah, Qualcomm and then Peco. Peco's really nice. It's, I mean, it's definitely completely a different vibe. It's a really great park. Um, I've been to, like, Angel Stadium, uh, which was really cool. It's really cool to see, like, Mike Trout 
you know. Uh, I'm not an Angels fan, but yeah, you know, he's he's arguably one of the best players of our generation and maybe of all time. So to have the opportunity to go watch him and uh, you know, he robbed a home run that game. It's like it's just nuts. Um, it's crazy. And then you know to go watch. And then I I've been to a couple of Mariners games, which is it's cool. The Mariners stadium is really nice too. It's got a, it's a nice venue. Yeah, I'd like to get out west and just make it a whole trip, you know, like go to – well, I guess the Giants don't play at AT&T anymore. I don't even know what the name of their stadium is. I and think it's go Oracle to, now. There it is, is Oracle. And then go to, like, the Dodgers. I'd love to go to an Angels game because, like, I'm sort of like – funny you said that because, like, I'm not really an Angels fan either, but through sort of like a lot of, like, researching a lot of baseball in teams that I didn't follow, I watched the 86 ALCS, and it was the Angels and the Dodgers. And that got me into the Angels because those old Angels teams had a lot of good guys on them. Like Don Baylor was an Angel for a little bit, Bobby Gritch, like all these stud players. And they had a really good team. And it was sort of the Angels lost that 86 ALCS, and they were, I think, three outs away from going to the World Series. And then it just all Mm -hmm. fell apart, sort of like it did the Cubs, where I'm like, oh, shit, like I'm reliving this right now. And – Right. I'd love to get out there and see Trout play or like the stuff that Shohei Otani's doing right now on a baseball field. Like it's absolutely bonkers. I'm like, dude, I think he's one of the best players in the world right now. Like you talk about him, Tatis, like Vlad Jr. Like there's a lot of young studs. Like we're sort of in like, I feel like a golden era of baseball right now. Like when you think about like the nineties and all those guys that played together and like made the hall of fame and stuff like that. Like you got guys now where it's like Acuna, Vlad Jr., you know, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, like Fernando Tatis, Cody Bellinger, like a lot of these young guys who are like 22, 23, yeah. 26, who are just putting up huge numbers. And, you know, it's pretty fun to watch, man. And there's, I feel like a little bit of a gap between like people that like old school baseball and people that like new school baseball. But in researching old school baseball, like it's helped me to appreciate the new school stuff even more. Like last Friday, Shohei Otani hit like a 430 foot home run, and then his next at bat, he had a drag bunt and outran it to first base and advanced to run it. Oh third. yeah, I'm like, I saw that. yeah, yeah. crazy. And I'm like, dude, like there it is, man. Like baseball players are like, I think are starting to like heavy data, sort of like giving the game like a bad name with a lot of people, a lot of purists who are just like, I don't give a shit about weighted runs created or what that other stuff. But there are a lot like these athletic guys like Acuna almost pulling a 40-40 season a couple years ago. Hell, Fernando Tatis is stealing third base on the reg, you know? And I'm just like, yo, he's fun to watch. Like, he's a damn ball player, you know? And you, if you got, like, purists out there, like, older dudes like me, how old are you, by the way? I'm a 30. You're 30? Oh, you're a youngin', man. Um, Young buck. But you can still appreciate – I mean, I think <laughs> you still appreciate some old baseball, you know? That's what a lot of these younger kids are doing is they're coming out here and they're playing hard and they're hitting for power, but they're also stealing bases and they're making plays in the outfield. And those days of, like, your Ryan Howard, like, Prince Fielder sluggers, like, I love those guys, but, like, those days are gone, man, because guys are coming in the league. And I think these young guys are doing – a lot of things that we valued in older players, like a guy like Gorman Thomas, who was a stellar center fielder and could also hit for power. And it's like, well, shit, you get that of a guy like Ronald Acuna who can make great plays in the outfield and hit 40 home runs and steal almost 40 bases. You know, it's a good time to watch baseball. Yeah, I think that it's, that's one of the perks of, you know, this, this new baseball alteration for this year, you know, is that it's cut because there's not so many home runs and the ball is not flying so far, you have to be, you have to be a little bit more gritty 
and take chances like stealing bases and bunting and stuff like that to score runs. And uh, I mean, even like I'm not I'm not a fan of the extra inning rule, but it, that even that to score a couple of runs is, is you know you have you just do simple things like putting a ball in play or bunting and moving the guy over, um, which I, I really enjoy. You know, guys stealing bases. You know, when they have like that split split camera. You know, the pitcher and the guy oh, on first base. You the just split wave camera's him to take the off best, like, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's like at the beginning of the of an Olympic race. You know, and you're like ready for them to shoot off the gun or like, you know, say go, and the guys are about to sprint. You know, it's gonna happen. You just like you're just, you're just like waiting for it to happen, and and um, yeah, it's cool. I'm 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 interested to see how guys continue to adjust to like the shift because the shift is like really really um big right now and it's been pretty effective um but i've seen a lot of guys start to just push balls other way you know the other way not hard hit balls but just just to push the ball to just get on base so um yeah it's it's um yeah like you said i was i was kind of cooled on uh on shohei when he first came i might have been a little bit bitter because he was like possibly gonna go to the padres and then he didn't go to the Padres, and so I was like, "Ah, oh, this guy's a bum. Like, I don't care about him." But Yankees but, fans man, too. Yankees a, fans a, were pissed because Yankees fans are used to getting yeah. what they want. Those little assholes, and they were like, the next day after Otani signed with the Angels, like the New York, some New York like paper was like, "Shohei can't handle the big time in New York," you know, and they were immediately talking crap about him. But I would feel yeah. bitter too if I were you, man. Like if there was any chance, like when I thought Bryce Harper was going to sign with the Cubs, and I get that probably wouldn't have been a prudent decision. But like I love Bryce Harper, and I'm like, well, I don't care if the Cubs don't win a World Series. I want to see Bryce Harper fight people and hit homers. Let's go! And when he went to the <laughs> Phillies, I was like. I thought he was going to be a Cub. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. It was like sort yeah. of like that when LeBron James didn't come to the Bulls. Because I'm not a huge like basketball or football fan. But if I know like the other Chicago teams are like, like when Derrick Rose was a Bull, I was all in, man. I'm like, let's go. Yeah. And when LeBron made his decision man, to go to Miami, it was like, is LeBron going to come to Chicago? Because this could be fun. Then when he goes to Miami, I'm like, yeah, we didn't want him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a bum! Yeah. What a bum! Yeah, he, yeah, that's that kind of thought too. What a bum! But uh, man, dude, I watched I watched Shohei hit a hit a ball in on his hands. Like he oppoed a home run, a ball off his hands the other day. I forget who he's playing against the maybe it was the Diamondbacks or I forget who he's playing. But dude, he crushed this ball that was in on his hands opposite field. I'm like, who does that? That's insane! Like he like the sound off the bat is just like it's nuts. So now now I'm a believer. You know, I'm a supporter of, of Shohei. And he's such a nice dude. Like, you can't hate him. He's, like, he's so nice. Like, he makes you sick that he's so nice. But he's just, like, he does everything so – he's just such a nice dude. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to hate him. See, I'm interested. His niceness, you hit the nail on the head. I watched him one time. He was pitching and, like, got a guy out. The inning was over. He picked up his opponent's bat and handed it to the ball boy. And he does little shit like that. Like, he'll hand – like, if he's up to bat – He'll hand the ball to the catcher, like if it fouls off the plate. I watched him hand this bat to the bat boy, and I'm like, hell, the players from that team don't even hand the bat to the bat boy. And he is such a nice guy. And I always wonder, like, how that comes out in competition. Because you got guys that are, yeah. like, vicious competitors. Like, Michael Jordan didn't give a crap about you. Like, he couldn't care less. If you get, if he knocks you down, he's not picking you up. 
And then you got guys like Barry Bonds. I feel like a lot of Barry's competitiveness was fueled by him being a dick. He doesn't like you. He doesn't want to be your friend. He doesn't care. And Bob Gibson was like that too, where Bob Gibson's like, I hate playing in the All-Star game because I hate all these guys because they're not Cardinals. He's like, screw you. Right. Otani, like he hit Otani hit a home run tonight in the first inning against the Yankees at 117 miles an hour. It's the hardest hit ball he's ever hit in his life in the Major League Baseball, right? And he's so strong and he absolutely bashes baseballs. Like when you talk about that opposite field homer, it's like, dude, he obliterates baseballs. His barrel, his hand eye coordination has to be excellent. The home run he hit tonight was on a curveball when everybody that was watching was pretty sure he was going to get a fastball because the pitch mm-hmm. just before that was a high fastball called for a strike. And it's like, okay, like he can swing through a fastball. I don't know how hard this guy hits. But he was able to adjust, hit this curveball that sunk down to his knees, barreled it perfectly, and hit this 117-mile-an-hour ball. But when he goes to the dugout, he's, like, smiling. Like, he's not a mad, angry competitor. It's like he's this happy dude who can hit baseballs to the stratosphere. Like, I don't know how he does it. It's so wild. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's cool to watch. You know, sometimes you wonder about, like, the personalities of, of players, like, off the field and stuff like that. And um, you know, he's one of those guys that I'm sure that he's just a super nice dude no matter where he goes. Like, he's not in it for the fame. He's just likes to play baseball and be a nice dude. You know, it's funny you say, like, that personality because I think a lot, two players I think about a lot are Barry Bonds and Cal Ripken, and here's why. Well, I'm very fascinated by Barry Bonds because, like, his persona, and I know, like, he's changed as a human being and stuff like that because he's even admitted, like, hey, I was, like, a jerk when I was a ball player. And I've always sort of felt like, Barry might not have been as good as he was if he didn't have that persona because something has to drive somebody. And it was sort of like right. that. I think of like that in terms of Cal Ripken Jr. as well because he, like, even after the fact, like, I don't think a lot of people, at least younger people, maybe respect his streak because they're like, bro, you should have taken a day off because you probably would have been a better player. But I'm sort of like, well, maybe because that's how he was built. That's why he was so good. And if he didn't have that mentality, you know, he just wouldn't have been as good. And that's one of the things, like like you like you said, like I find so interesting about players' personalities. And sometimes I'll think, like, how it plays into their ability to play on the field, you know? Like when Bryce Harper charged them out against Hunter Strickland, like Bryce Harper's a nice guy 95% of the time, but he sort of got that edginess to him where I'm like, Maybe it rubs people the wrong way, but it's like, well, if he didn't play like that, he wouldn't be good. It's like Tatis. Tatis flips his bat. He'll put on the chain after the thing. He'll steal third when he's not supposed to. And people are like, ah, well, screw Tatis. He shouldn't be playing like that. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but that's who he is. Like Joe Madden always used to say when he would coach Javi Baez. And honestly, this is how I raised my kid (laughs) with Joe Madden and Javi Baez. So (laughs) Javi Baez sometimes in the field would make like dumb plays because he would try to make these crazy defensive plays and reporters would ask Joe Madden about it. And they would say, listen, what's up with Javi? He swings out of his shoes and he does this wild defensive stuff that sometimes goes completely crazy. And Joe's like, well, I'm not going to teach that out of him because the next play, he's going to do something you've never seen before. And honestly, like, that's how I raised my kid. Because, like, when she was doing T-Rex arms and, like, punches me, I'm sort of – I laugh at it because I'm like, listen, I don't want to take away, like, her creativity or her confidence. So I'm just going to, like, when she gets older, I'll just tell her not to punch me in the face. But until then, you know, have some fun. 
And that's what I think with a lot of these personalities where it's sort of like, you know, it's not a bad thing how they are. It's just like that's part of who they are and maybe what makes them good. You know what I mean? Like with a guy like Tatis or, right. you know, Tommy Pham, I think is a little edgy or um, like Vic Caratini, who I love. Like he's more of like a quiet reserve guy, but hell, he had a walk off home run 10 days ago. Like that's a ball player, man. And like, right. That's one of the things like I especially like about baseball and social media is like you get to see more of, I think, who the players are, which is fun. Yeah, and, you know, and I don't think like you know with Baez or even like Tatis, like he's not doing that. It doesn't. He's not doing that to disrespect anybody. That's just the way that he he does it. Like he's not. He's not. There's no like ill intent be, behind that, you know. Um, and I don't know like what good comes from you know trying to push that out of somebody. Like I was pretty disappointed last year <laughs> after Tatis hit that grand slam against the Rangers. Yes. And, like, everyone was just up in arms. And then, like, our, our manager, Tingler, he just was, like, he threw him under the bus. He did, and man. He, I remember that. You and know, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, he's a, he was a rookie manager, too, at the same time. But at the same, you got to, like, even if you disagree, like, you got to, like, you got to have your players back in front of the media, in front of the press. Like, you can have that conversation in the dugout or in the clubhouse, like, that's fine, but like you, you have to have your your star player. You have to have his back, and you know. Uh, and I think who who was it? Was it La, La Russa that just did that the other day with Mercedes? He did he did it with your mean Mercedes yeah. when your mean hit that grand slam on a three zero count with like a seven run lead? And La Russa was, and then the next day the Twins pitcher hit your mean, and Tony's like, "Yeah, I have no problem with them hitting my guy." And I'm like, "Listen, even if your player's wrong." It's like I'm all about the spirit of competition. And, like, there's that debate right. versus old school, new school, where, like, if a guy like Tatis flips his bat, then the next day someone puts one in his hip. They want to be mad at one or the other, right? So the old school guys are like, well, screw Tatis. He shouldn't show up to pitcher. And then the new school guys are like, well, that pitcher's an idiot because he hit my guy in the hip. And I'm over here like, yo, just compete. Because in competition, I think right. you're allowed to be mad. If you want to go at a guy, like, go at a guy. Like, don't throw at his head. If you throw at his head, like, that's a whole nother ball game. But there's not a lot of that in baseball. Like, usually intentional throws. Like, when Brad Keller threw at Tim Anderson for his bat flip a couple years ago, he went straight for the hit, man. Like, there's it's a rare right. occasion now. Like, anyone sails one up on a head on purpose. It just doesn't happen. Right. Right. At least that much. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but I don't think it happens that much. But I'm all about the competition, and it's sort of like with like Jace Tingler and Tony LaRusso doing what they did. I'm like, listen, even if you think your guys are wrong, you can't tell that to the other team because come October, like that's a vulnerability, man. And I think yeah. like you've well, got it's, to it's, have the team. Like you've got the team has to know that you've got their back. Yeah. Well, baseball. I mean, baseball is kind of a funny paradox like that. You're talking about like Bob Gibson, and he's like. He doesn't want to compete in all-star games because he's like, that's the enemy I'm playing with. Like, I don't want, like, I don't want any part of that. Like, we got to put them in the ground and go win the championship. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's like old school baseball. And at the same time, like, you would figure that would come across also, like, with, you know, you're up by 13 runs or nine runs. Like, you're competing. Like, this is a competition. This isn't a, you know, we're not, we're not trying to make the other team feel good. Like, put them in the ground. And then hopefully tomorrow they bring better pitching and they put you in the ground. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the unwritten rules are, it's so funny. I mean, I've, I've played through in, until beginning of college and, you know, you get to know the, the rules, the unwritten rules pretty well. Um, and so that's, that's always an interesting like waters to like navigate of like, you're going to upset someone at some point. So 
you know, you, you might as well play the way that you do. Yeah, because like I've been on a field where we've been getting blown out, and the other team keeps keeps pushing on the pedal, and I get pissed. Like I'm mad at that person, but in my eyes, like that's competition. Like, of course, I want to be mad at them, and if I'm on that side of it, it's like I'm gonna use that to my advantage. But then likewise, like if I'm on the team that's ahead, I feel like you got to keep pushing the pedal down because you're playing till tomorrow for tomorrow. So if those guys got to use one extra bullpen arm because your mean Mercedes hit 3-0, even though that was a position player pitching. But what if I make that position player a little tired for tomorrow? Well, hell, I want to win tomorrow. I don't right. want to give you the game. I don't want to be like, oh, let's just take a break so you're fresh tomorrow. No, I don't want that. Like there were guys on MLB Network yeah. who were siding with Tatis and or who, or who was siding with your mean Mercedes who were like, well, maybe we just need a forfeit rule then because if you've hurt your feelings because we're beating you so bad, like maybe we should just quit and come back tomorrow. Like that rips the spirit of competition right. out. And that's my thing, man. When you said about, you know, keeping going and putting your pedal to the metal, you want to put them into the ground. Like that's where I think you've got to respect like the nature of competition. Like Michael Jordan would always talk about competition. And one of the first years, if not the first year, him and the Bulls went to the playoffs was like an 86 or something. And they were like an eighth seed or a sixth seed or whatever the last seed is in NBA. They were under 500, and they had to play the Celtics. And Michael Jordan came back from an injury early because he was like, the chance of me getting re-hurt weren't high enough for me to give a shit about because Michael Jordan would always say it's the competition that drives me. I don't care. And the Bulls' ownership, because they covered this in The Last Dance, the Bulls' ownership didn't want him to play because they wanted to get a higher draft pick. And Michael was like, no, that's not how competition works. I'm not going to set this one out. Like, I'm going to play my hardest no matter what the circumstances are. And I think when you tell a guy like you're mean or Fernando not to do something good, then you're ripping the spirit of competition out. And I think... Like I think competitions to be respected, and I think it's like I think it's a wonderful thing because it pushes, like the human psyche, like a human being physically and mentally to like this new level, and that's what I enjoy watching in sports. Like players push themselves further and further to a point, you know, when it comes to competition, like pushing their bodies and their mind and all that stuff. It's like the Rocky Ivan Drago story, where like. Obviously, that's a movie, but, like, you see these guys pushing themselves, right? And so I feel like when you tell right. these guys, like, hey, man, don't swing 3-0, I'm like, bro, like, the fight's not over. This is a four-game series. You know, keep it up and just pound them into the ground. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's for fans, too. I mean, the fans came to watch a game. So you're going to say that the game's over in the fifth inning because you're up by 15. Exactly. They're going to throw – and you can't end up having more offense. Like, it's just – it's bad for – it's bad It's bad for the game for the competition like you said but like i don't totally. understand why like people on the field who are on the opposing teams like the twins when your mean mercedes hit that grand slam like they're pissed off like i've been in that position but i don't understand why those players think that they're entitled to not be pissed off like what is it about you that you think you right. just can't feel that way like then don't play baseball. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. what to tell you. Like, we're not entitled to always feel happy all the time or whatever. Like, if you feel mad, like whatever like i don't know what to tell you like you're not entitled to like be happy all the time and i'm not going to accommodate you like this is baseball <laughs> i'm not like right. robbing your house and stealing your tv and saying oh well i'm stealing all your stuff like that's not what this is you know what i mean and right. yeah it's whatever but listen okay so we've got to get to something here so the first email listen the first email <laughs> this is fucking crazy i can't wait to hear this the first email i ever got from you like the first sentence 
was I scared Joe Torrey while he was on the can. And <laughs> so you so I know you you were around San Diego, so that's where the winter meetings were. So I'm just gonna stop yeah. there and you tell me about your story with Joe Torrey taking a dump. All right, bring it on, <laughs> man. Lay it out. Yeah. We shouldn't yeah, put this so at the beginning, uh, had, but let's do it. <laughs> I had a yeah, so I worked for a hotel, uh, which I won't name, but we hosted the uh winter meetings. Um and man, it was crazy. It's like it's like you feel the dreams, you know, when they like start coming out of the corner and you're like seeing all these great baseball players and you're like, Holy crap, like there's Ty there's Ty Cobb, there's Babe Ruth, like there's Joe Jackson, holy crap and then you're like same thing with like in this lobby during winter during the during the meetings, like holy there's like there's Rodriguez, there's uh you know, Joe Torrey. And so um I couldn't yeah, imagine, so I went, I went man. The, all those ball players, that's crazy. It was crazy. And this was like one of the meetings was there when the Padres went after like Matt Kemp and they like went for broke and they did go broke, but they like it was like a, the biggest Padres off season in a while. So that was like really exciting. Um and so like this job that I had, I worked with a lot of professional baseball teams and um athletes and stuff like that. So it was it was a really cool opportunity. Uh, but I had just happened to just be like in the in one of our lobbies and walked into a bathroom, and uh, all the stalls were, I mean, all the urinals were were under uh, renovation and they were they're closed. So I was like, oh, she's a stall really quick, no big deal. And um, I didn't see any feet or anything like under the stalls. So I go to push to the first door and it's locked and it kind of jiggle like the door jiggles, and this guy on the other side of the <laughs> other side of the door. Uh, makes like this noise like you know like this no like you know like when someone tries to open the a stall on you you're like oh god yeah. like you like there's like this like this this noise that comes deep from in your soul of like fear and anxiety of like <laughs> someone seeing you sitting on the can exactly you know, and, and you're like did i lock the door your adrenaline <laughs> spikes and you're like oh shit. yeah it's it's the worst it produces this noise out of you that's like uncontrollable and you're just like Ugh. and i was like oh so, you know like sorry like my my bad he didn't say anything back to me and uh, so I go to the next stall over, use the bathroom, and the guy flushes the toilet, leaves, and goes starts washing his hands. So I come out, you know, and my hand, my head's like kind of down because I know like I've embarrassed this guy. It's an awkward situation. Like we're just we're both aware of like our children's oh, presences, yeah. and it's just it's just weird, you know. We're just you know trying to get through this this moment and get the hell out of there. And uh, I I walk up, my head down, put my hands in the water, look up in the mirror. And look to like just a little glance from the left, just to like acknowledge that there's a human that I did this to, and holy shit, there's Joe Torrey. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, uh, and I like I like didn't know what to say, and I was like, do I say like, if yeah. I say something, will it make it worse? It will probably make it worse because I'm acknowledging the faux pas that just occurred. So I'm like, I'm just gonna let Joe Torrey wash his hands, do his business, you know, and, and walk out. And so we're just like sitting there and like, you know, that 10 seconds of just washing hands silence. And uh, I probably should have washed my hands for longer, but who cares? Um, <laughs> we're sitting there washing hands and he walked out. And uh, yeah, and then I, later I saw him in the, I saw him in the lobby and I thought about saying something again, but then it was, you know, just like, let, let it be. He probably was like, he was probably already over it by the time it happened. You know, he's like this damn kid, like he's Joe Torrey. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he was probably like just swearing at me already in his head and was like over it. Uh, by the time that he got out of the stall, but uh, yeah, it was nuts. It was it was one of those it was one of those jobs that you know you don't expect to walk in on Joe Torre on the can. Crazy. Listen, you mean that <laughs> wasn't the time to tell Joe Torre, hey man, huge fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
let's go through let's go through the ninety eight hey, I'm a Padres fan. Let's go through the ninety eight World Series. What the hell? What the hell? We have one chance to win a World Series. Um yeah. But then that awkward moment yeah. when you're like washing hands. Like I've been in that moment, then like you guys are standing there because it's sort of weird, like peeing in a urinal next to somebody and then like you're washing your hands together and it's like oh like we just you know had our wieners out at the same time and so you're washing your hands next yeah. to joe Torrey, and it's like yeah man you were taking a dump and i almost walked in on you man thank god you locked that door <laughs> so like you're washing your hands for all those seconds it's like yeah what do i say you know like i want to say something because it's joe Torrey, but uh, like i can't now because this is a weird thing it's i mean could you imagine if the door was open you would like, see like this baseball guy <laughs> Four-time World Series champion, like, oh, oh, man, that's my bad. You know, I don't know what you would say to that. Oh, I know. I probably would have lost my job. Uh, no, but, yeah, it, yeah, it was an awkward situation. And we didn't have, the, like, the, you know, the opportunity for, like, a buffer of, like, a third person. You know, like, you get a third person in there, and it's like, okay, we've got three people. There's a different dynamic. But it's just me and him, quiet, a little bit of lounge music playing in the bathroom or, what you know. You, you, you can't recover from that. You can't. You, there's nothing to approach, you know, him with that, you know, after that. So no, it's absolutely it not. Tough. Like you can never talk tough. to him again. It's just like that would be funny. No, like that honestly sounds like a Seinfeld episode. Like I could see a, there probably has been. If not, I could see a Seinfeld episode starting just like that, where it's like you're washing your hands next to somebody. You walk in on him, and it's like, oh hey, and then you yeah. run into him like three days later, and it's just like, oh, you're that guy. What do I do? Yeah, I'm glad that he, that he washed his hands, you know, that that, that was done. They didn't have to, like, shake his hand later and know that he didn't wash his hands or something. Yeah, positive you know, deal, man. Joe, Joe Torre, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a hygienic guy. You know, props yeah, to him. And, and also an MVP, man. He won the NL MVP, like, in 1971. Here's a pretty damn good catcher. I think he was a catcher. Oh, I might yeah, be wrong was, on that. He yeah. was a good, I think he, no, I think he was a catcher. I think you're right. I think he or maybe was, even Girardi, but I know, I think he was a catcher. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, so that, was, that was a cool job. Oh, dude, I mean, I bet, man. Like, that would have been so crazy. Like, the only Major League Baseball player I've seen up close and personal is Don Mattingly, like, not on a field. So just to see normal guys, like, I think it's such a wild thing to think of Major League Baseball players as normal people. Like, they get a bi-weekly oh, yeah. direct deposit just like we do. They got to pay the cable bill. They got to call DirecTV when the satellite goes out. Like, it's all these weird things yeah. where it's like— They got families. They got, you know— Yeah, like, they have to go to stuff. Thanksgiving with their in-laws and just be like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening here, man? You know? Like, they too poop, you know? Like, these things happen. Yeah, they poop. But listen, yeah. man— Yeah, like, I—, I um... I was gonna say I said the one of the nicest guys I've ever met was, um, you know Harold Reynolds. He used to play for the for the Mariners. Oh yeah, speedster. Um, he man. Did, he's like on he's on MLB Network now. Oh but yeah. yeah. He he like flagged me down in the lobby because I I'd met him, opened, introduced myself because it was like kind of part of my role. And he's like, hey, can you like take me to a a hitting camp for another this other baseball player? Um, and so I was like, yeah, like no problem. So we got into like our our car and and um our our hotel car and I started driving him to. I was over at San Diego State University, and, yeah. um, you know, like, halfway there, he's like, hey, like, you hungry? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And he's like, let's go get some tacos. So then, like, no we just sat way, and tacos. And, uh, you know, he, like, asked me about, at the time, I was dating my wife. And so he asked me about my wife and, like, asked me, like, how I was, like, if I liked my job and, you know, just about my life. And he was, like, I'm, like saying, I think he was, like, a two- or three-time All-Star at least. Oh, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we just sat and had tacos and it was, like, 
you know, just, they're just a normal guy that just happened to be good at, at, at baseball. Um, but, you know, really, they're just like you and I, that they have families and they have lives and they have worries and concerns. And, you know, they're going through the same stuff that we are. It's crazy. Dude, it's unreal, man. Like, I always think about, do you remember that season Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Like, so him and then Luis Gonzalez hit, like, 57 or 58 home runs one year, and both of those guys had this single season, like, spike in home runs that yeah. never happened again. Right. And I always thought right. it was because, like, those guys took steroids and then their significant others found out, and they were like, hey, get that shit out of my house. So then they could never do it again. And that was just like one of those normal human being things where it's like, yeah, I did it. But then my wife got mad, and it's like, whatever. I didn't want to deal with it, so I didn't do it anymore. And so I always thought about that. But listen, yeah. man, you also, um, you had mentioned in your notes, man, the pregame notes that you put together. These are great, man, about uh, baseball cards and – yeah. You said that you had opened up some cards with your son, James, which I've done that once with my daughter, man. The first pack she opened, like I still have, it was a pack of 88 tops. She got a John Cruck Padres card. She wrinkled it up a little bit, and I'm going to keep it forever, man. Nice. So, but you guys have been digging I through some cards? Crookie. Yeah, I love Crookie. Yeah, we, I, I, I bought some, like, 1991 or 90, like, junk era wax, you know, wax packs off of eBay or something oh, yeah. like that. and um you know, just to open them, just that experience of like opening them and, you know, I got like the bubble gum in there, which is crazy. You know, it's, it's, I don't know if you ever tried the bubble gum from, Oh, the every time, buddy. Pack. If I get a pack, I eat oh, the gum. Dude, I feel like I have to. No, it's rough. It's so rough. Dude, it tastes like, it tastes like what something you would think sitting inside plastic for like 30 years would taste like. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, it, I felt it in my stomach for like three oh, yeah. days. Listen, after I ate it, it just sits like concrete. It's serious. Well, I mean, it has to. Like, how is that gum in that good a shape after 30-plus years? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I interviewed this guy who wrote this book called The Wax Pack, and he interviewed – so they had oh, a yeah. Topps factory yeah, yeah. in, like, Pennsylvania. And he interviewed this lady that used to work on the assembly line, and apparently they would make that gum, like, in 20-ton, like – and tw at 20 tons at a time and these big like vats of just like these big witches brew things or whatever and um i mean it was crazy to hear how that was made and how much they made at a time and i don't know what yeah. they did to make it last forever but like i'll eat it because i like to live on the dangerous <laughs> side and like i mentioned earlier i do have health insurance so but it's always interesting you because some of the gum is like has turned brown like if you open up like 86 oh, tops no. sometimes it's got like a nice suntan <laughs> to it and it's like what am i doing well what i'll do on occasion man is i do these live streams so do you know eric burns who used to be on uh mlb network yeah yeah of course with the uh, uh, athletics right? yeah he did man he's got this live stream platform called no filter and so he emailed me or sent me an Instagram message, and he's like, hey, man, I saw some of your videos. You want to be on the live streams on my website? I'm like, yeah, man, of course. Duh, you're Eric Burns. What am I going to say? No? Yeah. <laughs> and so when I open the pack, so I, I'll rip open some wax packs about every other week. 
and I eat the gum because I wanted to impress people. But where I'm at now on the live stream, like only about six to 12 people watch it. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting my life on the line for six people to watch me eat an old piece of gum. I don't know yeah. if the risk and reward gonna, is there yet, but oh. I'm putting my life on the line, man. Gonna, I, I'm like Kurt Schilling with the bloody sock. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really going for it here. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's going to be like, uh, like the, that myth about uh, John Wayne. Like, they're going to, when you die, finally, they're going to like do an autopsy and find like 50 pounds of gum <laughs> that's just like stayed in there for they like sure your are. entire life. It's been there like 50 years. I don't know. Like, like it's, it's stuck there forever. Yeah, that gum is like indestructible. Yeah, like there's like a, a, you know, a nuclear wasteland. There's gonna be Twinkies, cockroaches, and that bubble gum that's gonna be left. <laughs> Bro, it's Twinkies just, are it's so good never, too. It never ends. Oh, it can't be oh, good, so man. good. But, but yeah, but yeah. So it's been cool to like I open those up with my son, and he like understands like the purpose of opening them, and like he like watch, look at the cards, and flip them behind, and um, those you know those ninety one are like they're pretty cool and. I don't have to worry about them, like, him destroying anything because they're not really worth much. And um, just, like, that process of, like, that ritual of, like, opening new baseball cards um, has been really, like, special to, to share with him. And I'm looking forward to do it with my, my next son, too, um, which has kind of made me, like, pretty sad about, like, I don't know if you try to buy baseball cards lately or, like, the last couple months, but it's, like, impossible to find on the shelf. Um, and... Uh, which is kind of sad because like one of the, one of my favorite things to like going to the store with my mom, like when I was growing up was like, if I had enough money and a couple bucks saved up and go to the store with my mom and then at the checkout line, pick up some cards and, uh, open them up. Um, so it's been, it's been really cool to do, to do that with my son. Yeah. That's one of the things I like most about having a kid, man. Just like those little moments that you find that like remind you of being a kid and like, I think having a kid's the best thing that's ever happened to me because it's sort of like, it just, it, it takes me back every day. Like the little things I do with my daughter, like it reminds me of being a kid and enjoying those times. And I feel like having kids now, like it sort of gives us a chance to be a kid again, you know, because like you get to have the excitement of like opening up those cards, but also like the feeling of doing something for another human being. Like, it's the best feeling ever, man. Like, if my daughter wakes up yeah. at 2 a.m. and I, like, wake up to, like, hold her, like, it's, like, being a parent, like, my body's never hurt so much. Like, my feet hurt, my back hurt, but I've never felt better because you get to do all these things, man. You know, opening up cards and, you know, finding gopher holes and, you know, playing in the dirt and stuff like that's awesome, man. But you mentioned about, like, the baseball cards. On, like, before COVID hit, like, I would – if me and my wife would be in Target, I would, like, look to buy a pack of baseball cards, and usually I could get them. But it, it seemed like the yeah. months before COVID, I could never find any cards on the shelf. But then I've had buddies, and, like, it's sort of been, like, a pretty big talk now where, like, people are noticing, like, these cards are really hard to find. And, like, these, like, people are, like, going into Target and buying, like, every single card they can get off the shelf. They're, like, sneaking in the back rooms right. of, you know, Target and Walmart and buying more cards and stuff like that. And, like, I – I it, if my first question – well, your question was, do I think scalping's bad for the hobby? Like, my, my initial answer is, like, hell yeah, it has to be. Like, I don't know how it could be good. But then, like, I wonder, because everything is, like, so electronic – like, I wonder if some weird way when kids now are our age, they'll look back on 
you know, getting Cubs cards on Facebook and being like, oh, that was so fun. Like I would put my 10 bucks in and get yeah. every Cubs card out of the thing. Like, I don't know that that'll be the case, you know, because like we would ride our bikes to the card shop. And like you said, like if you had a few, you know, bucks in your pocket, you'd be like, oh, like I'm going to buy a pack of cards and go home and hold them. You know what I mean? Like rip these bad boys open. And it's like people, kids now, like don't even get the chance to rip a pack open. And it sort of sucks to see, like, you know, these opportunists, like, go and just sort of ruin it for everybody. Because I think no matter what, it would be nice for people just to be able to, like, go buy a pack of cards. You know, like if a kid or, like, right. an old dude wants to buy his kid a pack of cards. Like, if me and you are with our kids and we're in Target and can't get a pack of cards, like, that sucks. You know, like, I don't want that. Right. And it almost seems like it's just, yeah. it doesn't have, like, respect for the hobby. It's like cutting down all the trees in the forest to start like a really successful paper company. Like, yeah, I get it because you created wealth right. for like future generations and stuff, but you also killed all the trees in the woods. So like, we can't enjoy it. You know, like people can't go and enjoy right. the woods the same way because you know, that would be obviously like, like there are still woods to go enjoy. Like, I'm just like, that's the only comparison I could think yeah. of. Like if you were to slaughter all the woods right. by my house, I'd be like, Oh shit. Like I can't enjoy that now. Like I get that you think you did something good because capitalism runs America. So you found an opportunity and you've created more money for yourself and all that. But like when you sort of shit on other people to do it like that, I don't like. So it's sort of like, if right. I say well, it's like bad for the hobby, I would say maybe it is still. Yeah. And I would, I mean, I mean, it's a commodity, right? It, it turned into a commodity. And I think, I mean, it's, it's, it reminds me of a lot of, um, if you ever watched the, the Willy Wonka and the, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and oh, they yeah. have like, you know, the rich kid that has the, the parents that are buying like boxes and boxes of chocolate to find this golden ticket. And the kid's not really like, really, he's not really invested in the car, in the ticket itself. He's just, you know, the parents are doing it for them. Yeah. And then you have kids like Charlie who buy one or two packs because that's just like a, it's something that's fun and it's something that, uh, something that you can share with like your dad or your son and, or your mom and your, um, you know, so, um, and that's, that's being taken away, the opportunity just to buy like a pack or two and share that moment because it's, you know, like I have, I have a binder full of cards. I have cards I've collected since I was a kid and there's some that are, some that are valuable in there, but a lot of them are just, you know, are junk, but I love them all because they all have memories tied to them, you know, spending hours like in my living room with my cards out on the floor, going through them all, sorting them, you know, trading them with my brothers, trading them with my friends. Um, there's, there's those memories that are tied into those cards that are worth more than, you know, any of those junk air cards that I have Yeah. Um, that I feel like kids are being robbed of now because you now you don't have the opportunity to do that. And like you said, like there's, there's electronic stuff, Like there's like, I don't know if you ever use the tops uh, baseball app. They have a baseball card app where you can, you know, it's like buying cards on, it's like cards online. And it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Um, but there's like, there's something to like that texture and that smell and the process of opening that and being with someone else while you do it, which differentiates from doing it on, you know, online. You know, there's that relationship aspect that's missing. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of sad. I agree with that 100%, man, because, like, I always, like, I enjoy, like, there's something about, like, individual agency, like, doing something yourself, holding something physical, like, driving a car with a stick shift or just driving a car in general, you know? 
because like yeah. um you know like in so many cities you can just take ubers or taxis or like you know like electric cars will be a thing that are self-driving probably like 50 years from now where you won't even have to drive a car but sometimes you know like you know writing a sentence out on a piece of paper and driving a car and opening up a pack of cards like those are nice things to do and it would seem like mlb would want this not to happen you know because if you want to create fans like right. yeah i bet there were so many baseball fans created or that stayed in the game you know because we got to figure like when we were kids like collecting baseball cards probably made us want to watch you know like this week in baseball or sports center and you know at a market games right. like the braves and the cubs because you're like oh like i got a ryan sandberg card like he plays for the cubs that's on wg and like i can watch him play and but i don't know how you would fix the problem you know like i think some targets or have just, like, stopped selling cards. Like, they're like, we're not going to deal with these yahoos yeah. because they come in, they're jerks, they sneak in our back room and swipe the cards, and it's like, dude, we can't deal with this sort of thing anymore, you know? But I don't know. Uh, gosh, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know what Target could and, happen. Yeah, I know. Target, I think, and I think Walmart also is similar. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough because, like, you could do it from the, you could do direct sales from, like, online from, from Tops themselves, but that that doesn't really fix the problem of like no. the whole process of like just going to the store and opening them up and you know it's not it's not quite the same. I bought a pack of like of um the seventieth anniversary as like a hobby a hobby packer, um and you know it was and I bought it from Tops online and they sent it to me and it was like it was great but it wasn't the same of like going and hunting for this pack of cards and opening up you know like in the car or whatever you know it just wasn't wasn't quite the same so yeah it's a good question I don't know. But I know one thing is I think the only card company that is licensed by MLB and the players is Tops. Because you remember, like, you used to be able to get, like, Don Russ baseball, Fleer, and, yeah. you know, like, uh, Score and all these different packs of cards. But, like, you can buy Don Russ baseball cards now, but they're not licensed. So, like, nobody really wants them because, yeah, you could get a sweet Mike Trout right. card, but it doesn't have the logo on it. Like, it just says Los Angeles and everything else is blanked out. And it's sort of like there's a monopoly right. created maybe with Tops because now Tops sort of controls the industry. Um, and I don't know that maybe if that has something yeah. to do with it as well, but I mean, it would be nice. That's an interesting to... point. I didn't, that's an interesting point because I haven't really thought about that. I mean, I do have like, you know, like uh, Don Russ and, and Fleer um, from like even just up to like the early 2000s and, and 90s cards. But um, yeah, I mean, what other options do you have besides, besides Tops now? So, nah, nothing, yeah. man. Because I think there was like baseball card competition back in the day too. Like I'll watch a lot of old baseball games on YouTube, and it was like a mm -hmm. game from '92 that I watched, and it was like a Fleer Ultra commercial that was like these cards are the best in the industry. They're made out of like thick something or another, and they were like these thick cards that were embossed with this cool design, and it was like they were selling themselves on their card quality because there was more competition in like card buying to, I guess when the kid would go to the store with his parents and be like, Oh, I could buy Fleer or I could buy tops. Oh, well let me get Fleer then. But then if tops is the only competitor, it's like when an Xbox comes out or like a cool video game, it's like, listen, I know you want it. So like a marketing tactic is sort of to like hold some back to drive up the hype, you know, like when Furbies would come out right. and Beanie Babies and then like, you know, like the new Xbox. Like, I think if you want to get an Xbox now or at least like a few months ago, I, I don't play video games, but 
Like I heard that thing was hard to find. You know, likewise, I think maybe there's a mm-hmm. new PlayStation out too, like where you can't get these things. And it's like, well, you probably do it on right. purpose because when I I remember Nintendos when I was a kid, like some Christmases it would be hard to get a Nintendo because it's like, oh, of course, you make it hype, right. you know, like make it hard to get. And yeah. I think right. like, Pops probably sees knows what they did wrong the first time in the industry because they made too many cards and they tanked. And so now they're probably like, well, we're just, we control the industry. We're not going to make a lot. So maybe that's why they do it. I don't know. But I'm like you, man. Like, yeah, I've got cards that are probably worth something, but I don't, it, it's hard for me to answer that question because I don't collect to like make money off of them or get an expensive card. Like, right. I don't care if I get a Shohei Otani card that's graded or not, or a Ted Simmons or an Ozzy Smith Diamond King from the Padres. It's like, I don't care if it's graded or not, man. I like the card. It, it, it makes me feel good. It's a nice nostalgic card, and I enjoy them, and I like looking at it, and they smell good, too. Baseball cards do smell good. You said the smell and the feel of them? They smell great. That's right on. Yeah. Man. So good. And then you got – I love to – I have, like, a bunch of uh, – speaking of Donruss, a ton of, like, late 80s, early 90s Donruss. And, dude, the pictures, like, the – whoever was like in charge of photography, like whatever they had them doing in front of for the camera, for like going on your professional baseball card is like out of control. Like it's like guys that are like on their, like on their stomach, with their hands on their chin and they're like staring at the camera. There's like guys with like a sledgehammer. This guy with like mustache smoking a cigarette. Like it's like out of control. And I miss that with Kostas <laughs> is very professional. And Don Rush is like a little bit gritty, Lear, you know, a little bit gritty, it is. a little bit, you, you know, there's like, whoever was in charge of it was just like, yeah, like they love baseball. I'm not really in it for the money, which is probably why they're not around anymore, but they're like, let's just get these guys in like their natural state. And then you have like, you know, I think I have uh Charlie Huff with a cigarette in one of his cigarettes. Hell yeah. Charlie just, Huff is he a just looks, He just looks haggard. And you're like, this guy like might die tomorrow or he might throw no hitter. It's really <laughs> up to him. Like, well, <laughs> we'll see like who knows who really knows yeah there's a catcher that used to play for the atlanta braves i think he was a catcher and his name was biff pokaroba i might be saying his last name wrong he was like in the 80s and he's got a fleer card i think that's just like him standing in front of a shed and i'm sort of just like what the hell's happening here it's like (laughs) it's like he was just like hurry up and take the picture i got a case of beer in the car like let's fucking go you know what i mean like or just stand there and shoot the picture there's just like this shed behind him that looks like a utility shed with like a lawnmower and a weed eater in it and i'm just like it's a great card man (laughs) oh that's so classic (laughs) but let's man i think oh sorry go ahead no, that's it. Go ahead. Well, no, I was thinking, man, we're almost we're at an hour twenty five, man. We we might wrap this thing up. Um, cool. You know, well, um, li- you're the last listener that I'm gonna have, man. So I think it totaled like seven or eight people, and I'd probably like to have everybody on one more time, possibly. Like I know you got a new baby, so yeah. maybe like in three or four or six months we'll do this thing. Um. But I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Like this whole having guests on is sort of like a new thing for me because I always do like these crazy monologues where I just talk about crazy stuff or whatever. And it means a lot that you took the time to be on it, man. I I love talking baseball with people and it's, it's been a blast, you know, to get other people's perspectives, you know, like I honestly really just want to like create a platform where like people can talk about baseball and family and life in general. And so I appreciate, um, you know, you preparing the notes and 
you know, talking ball and talking life with me, man. It was a good time. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I've, I've had a great time. I really appreciate you having me on. I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed this this series of having guys, just random people on, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like just sitting and having a beer and sitting with your friends in the backyard and, you know, shooting the shit and not really, you know, just talking, just talking baseball. And, um, I mean, I'm mean, I sure, I'm sure I speak for a lot of, a lot of people of like, especially like this last year with COVID, you know, like it's been super isolating. So having like this podcast to be able to connect with other people and just connect about baseball and stuff like that's been, been super, you know, I'm super thankful for it. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, for sure. Like, I think it's important to sort of, cause I know like COVID was definitely like a weird thing where like everybody was sort of cut off and that sort of thing. But I know like, I always felt like as us like, do I mean it's probably like that with you know our wives as well or whatever it's like sometimes when you get older man it's sort of hard to like keep in touch and like make friends with people especially when COVID hit and you got work from home and got families of your own and stuff and it's sort of like the podcast sort of lets us like you know enjoy baseball like on our own time you know what I mean and like I think that portion of it like I like too but connecting with you man and um, you know, all the other guests that have been on the podcast have been a blast. I'm just ranting now, man. Thanks, dude. Um, I'll end this podcast now, yeah, but don't hang it. up because I got to save it, right? We're not, a, I'm not a top operation <laughs> over here. And I, I'm worried if you hang up, I'll lose it all. <laughs> so I always, I always, yeah. I always say this and I always make a joke about it at the end, but Andrew, thanks for being on the podcast. Don't hang up. I'm going to yeah. hit pause and no I'll talk so to you later, time, man. So one time you don't joke about it. All right. See you later. I know if I don't joke about it, like it didn't happen. Like if you don't joke podcast, about it, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Yeah, this podcast. Yeah, the one time you don't joke about it, it's gonna. <laughs> I'll fucking lose the whole thing, man. Because I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't know. I never know what to say. I never know what to do. I barely know how to record it and upload it. Like, it's amazing that this shit even gets done. I don't know how. But okay, I'm gonna stop the podcast now. Andrew, bye. Andrew, say bye. See ya. Bye bye. <laughs> All right, later, man.